I have a neighborhood. Um, God knew exactly what neighborhood to put me in. Um, I like to skateboard. I've been skateboarding since like the early 70s. And uh, I have boards up in my attic that uh, actually from the 70s and even some that were from the 60s that were my brothers and stuff. But so but I've been skating and skating's evolved and um, I don't do vert a whole lot anymore. Um, just because I haven't had the opportunity, but what I like doing, and Tom over here, man, Tom's a man, dude. We were bombing Citrus Hill, and I was scared, and he did it, man. I'll speed wobble. Remember that? Yeah, dude. We used to go park, parking, hit parking garage and stuff. But in my neighborhood, I have like an inverted crown, they call it. And it's not ecologically good anymore because what an inverted crown is, is it goes like this. So all the water drains down and goes into the river. They don't make them like that. Now they make it flood your house, but... My neighborhood goes like this, then the driveways go up like this, and so I ride these carver boards, um, carver skateboards, and they were made to kind of train you for surfing. And what you do is you pump them. You pump them like this, and they actually get going. You don't have to push like a regular skateboard anymore, and you can pump those, and you can actually take poles, bamboo poles, put a lacrosse ball on the bottom, and you can like land, land board, and so you can like get all kinds of speed going. And so I like going through my neighborhood. And I usually either do it early in the morning, I go do it at night, and um, when no one's really watching or I can just have some peace. But one day I was doing it, uh, kind of in the, you know, about 9 o'clock in the morning, and man, I felt just on it, you know, and just a nice groove going. I'd go up and carve, you know, Tiffany's driveway, then go into Bobby's driveway. I do it when they're not home, okay? And, uh, you know, so just we don't have any conflict there. And I'm carving driveways, and... And all of a sudden, I hear Lester sitting over. He's like my neighbor, old dude, sitting there under his little oak tree in his swing. And he said, boy, you sure are a good skateboarder. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, you guys already know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> Pride comes before a fall. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm going to hang out and ride in front of Lester for a little bit. So I'm pumping, carving around. And he's like, man, I don't know how you can do that. Boy, your agility how do you get that much speed? You're a great skateboarder. And so I started getting full of myself, and I said, all right, I'm tired of that. I'm going down the street. And fortunately, God made it happen down the street where nobody was home. But now I'm just cruising, and I'm thinking, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I'm going, and all of a sudden, I hit a little pebble. Natalie, you ever hit a little pebble on your skateboard? What happens, man? The board stops, but your body does not. <laughs> and so I, the board stopped, my body didn't, and I was doing a Superman. <laughs> you ever do Supermans? And I'm flying, and I just get road rash all up and down. I did not even come back down my road because I didn't want to explain it to Lester how good of a skateboarder I was. But, you know, have you ever stumbled and fought? Would I have ever jumped off the skateboard on purpose and just slid down the road on my chest and face? No. That's called stumbling. How many of you ever stumble? And when you stumble, how many of you ever been embarrassed when you stumble? You know, how many of you ever stumbled on purpose? That's called a fall. But we stumble, it's an accident, but nevertheless, it's just as painful as a fall. And so what I want to help you with today, what God's been speaking to me about this week with this passage in Acts 12, 20 through 24, is, is about how to avoid stumbling. Man, isn't that hard when you got everything rolling and everything's going good, and all of a sudden you hit a little pebble you didn't see in life, and bam, next thing you know, you're Superman sliding down the, the gravel road, you know? And it hurts. No more than, I mean, it hurts no less than, than when you do it on purpose. But stumbling is like, it's almost not fair. 
dude, I didn't do this to myself. How many of you are old enough to not, uh, uh, you know, remember when we were young, we would actually injure ourselves to get hurt, right? How many of y'all just wake up hurt now? You're like, dang, I didn't do anything to this leg. What's going on? Uh, yeah, it's almost like it's not fair. So today I want to help you not spiritually stumble. And that's the message God's given me out of, out of these four verses. And then we're going to look at one verse out of Proverbs real quick in that. And uh, so you guys remember last week where we were at, Peter got thrown in jail. Herod, this, this dastardly dude, he was like on, on a roll. He killed James, the brother of John, and all the, all the Jews loved him now. And he's now got Peter, and he's going to kill Peter, but it's Passover, and he wanted to show what a good Jew he was. So he wasn't going to kill him during Passover. And he had two guards, one on each arm, and one, two of them in front at the door, chained to Peter, and had four Groups of guards like that to make sure Peter never escaped. But what happened? What happened? Peter escaped, dude. While they're there, the angel came. The chains fell off. Boom. He's gone. And, and basically, once he escaped, he went to a prayer meeting where they had been praying him out of prison. And, and, and all the Bible says after that is Peter took off to another place. And we don't really hear from Peter too much more in the book of Acts or even in the New Testament until he writes those two little books of 1 and 2 Peter. But rumor has it in church history that he and his wife actually were evangelists that just simply traveled around the known world spreading the gospel. And, but again, we'll know that's one of those God flicks we'll have to check out in heaven to see what happens uh, with all of them. But all we have is what the Bible teaches us now. So Herod was ticked off because, dude, there was no way this Peter guy was going to escape. And so when you're in a bad mood, how many of you ever been, a, Terry, ever been in a bad mood? And then every, yeah, has Terry ever been in a bad mood? Oh, no. Never. Well, Fernando, okay, I didn't think so, but we'll go with you. Has Fernando ever been in a bad mood? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when Fernando's in a bad mood, everything that happens is, is in a bad mood, right? Yeah, it just turns the house upside down. That's why I pray for you, brother. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> I'm joking, Fernanda. <laughs> All right. So, but you know what I'm saying? When hair is ticked off, everyone's ticked off, right? When mama ain't happy, no one's happy. Man, that could be true with daddy, okay? All right. It's the same way. That's the way Herod was. Herod was mad. He was upset. And so he found somebody to be upset with. And that's where we pick up in this story now. It says, now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. We really don't know why he was angry with them. Tyre and Sidon really wasn't even in his jurisdiction. It was up on the coastline, Tyre and Sidon was. It was a, a place that, uh, you know, just really wasn't even Jewish. It wasn't under his jurisdiction. But evidently, he had been helping them with some food. They, you know, he had been supplying something for them. Hey, what do you guys know when people are giving you something, what do they have the right to do? What's that? Oh, take it away. Yeah, exactly. And they have the right to tell you what you can do. Or they can say, well, I'm not going to give it to you. You know, I mean, so when you receive things from people on a regular basis, they now have control over you. I remember seeing a political cartoon one time that had two paths. The only reason I'm thinking about this right now is because I, I watched The Patriot last night. Anybody ever seen the movie The Patriot? Yeah, dude. You think about would you do that? You know, would you go through that, what they went through to be able to have freedom in our country? I don't know that we would right now, but I remember seeing this political cartoon that had two roads, and one said freedom and one said food, and you could only have one or the other. If you had to go down a path of freedom and make your own way and not have anybody giving you anything, would you go down that path or would you say, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to sacrifice all my freedom and I'm going to go for food. 
Yeah, and I'm not asking you to answer that right now, but that is a question that's got to be there. And that's an underlying principle here. Tyre and Sidon had an awesome deal. Dude, Herod's giving us all kinds of food. He's supplying stuff for us. This is great until Herod gets mad. And now Herod said, you don't do what I want you to do. I'm taking this junk away from you. And that is how unsaved people or unspiritual people, they treat things and the way they use things. And so Herod had been very angry at the people of Tyre and Sidon, probably because Peter escaped from jail, probably because he was angry about everything. And it says, but they came to him with one accord. Because if, if Herod got mad on what were they going to lose? Their food. And even if they had food, but this was extra food. Let's just say Herod was providing the mocha trace leche cake for him. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever have mocha trace leche cake from La Perla, dude? It's awesome. It's so awesome, Natalie, right, that when it gets mushy, they put it in cups. And, and then they sell it that way. That's the way Natalie likes to eat it, right? But, yeah, seriously, even if he was just presenting dessert to them, what, if you lose something that you really want, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the person that you're getting it from, and you're going to like do whatever it takes to get it, depending on how bad you want it. That's one question I sort of want to ask you is, how far would you go to get back something that you want and even compromising your walk with Christ? Would you compromise your walk with Christ or would you look at it as, as something that maybe God is now removing from you? Like Pastor Eddie, you've had a little too much mocha trace leche cake. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want you to have any more, so I'm giving you this allergy. No, I'm just saying, what, what would you sacrifice? To get back what you want. And that's going to be an underlying kind of, you know, story in this story. So they came to him in one accord. And what that means is all the people of Tyre and Sidon came to him all in agreement that we want our Trace Leche cake back again. We want whatever it is you're providing for us. We want it back again. And we'll do whatever it takes up to a limit. And that's what I want to ask you. What's your limit? Would you compromise Christ? Would you compromise your walk with God? Would you compromise giving him glory to get it back? And I think all of us kind of have, but that's just something to think about. So having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace. So check this out. There was this dude named Blastus. How many of y'all would love to be named Blastus? Wouldn't Blastus Elizabeth. Wouldn't that have been an awesome name for you? Uh, now, Matt could have been named Blastus for other reasons, all right? But, um, but Blastus, that's, that was this dude's name, and what he was was the king's personal aide. And so what they did is the people of Tyre and Sidon came in, and they, got, they made friends with Blastus so that Blastus then could come in and kind of change his mind. Anybody ever try to get to you through somebody else? You know? What are you laughing at? It's like, yeah, dude, this is, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is the way things work. So they're like, dude, Herod's ticked off. We can't go to Herod. Let's go make friends with Blastus. And Blastus, maybe while he's tucking Herod in, giving him some Trace Leche cake. Am I like obsessed with this stuff today? Um, all right. Yeah. And maybe while he's, he's tucking him in, you know, and helping him out, they're like, hey, Herod, why are you so hard on those guys? Hey, Herod, really? You know, and he can work it out. He's real close to him. People have been doing it in the Bible for years. So they asked Blastus to ask for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. Okay, so there's where we know for sure that was what this dispute was about. Why they were so intent. They lost something they wanted back. And let's see how far they would go to, to get it. So on a set day, arrayed in royal apparel. Now, what I understand from Josephus and some of the historians at that time, that basically Caesar, there was a day to honor him. 
the king, Caesar. And so now all these big officials like Herod and different uh, from the different provinces, they all had big parties and they dressed up, man. Dude, they, they had some bling going on. This guy, uh, Herod, he wore an outfit that was pure silver. And so, yeah, it was just pure silver. You guys remember Soul Train? Y'all remember, you, you remember Soul Train? You remember when they'd walk down there, you know? You remember when there was some, like, I mean, nice outfits, you know? I mean, we don't wear stuff like that anymore. Look at what we're wearing. It's just dull, right? But, but dude, Soul Train, where did I even come up with that today, man? Did, did you ever see it? Growing up? No, man, that was, yeah. I mean, that was when people started dressing like peacocks. You know what I'm talking about? It was, it was, it was like, all right, there's some identity in what you are wearing now, all right? And, and that's the way the king was here. He put on this silver outfit, man, and it's just pure silver. And he sat in a place where the sun would shine off it, and he would just look magnificent and glorious because he was all shining and on, uh, just lit up. So on that set day, uh, arrayed in royal apparel, this tinfoil suit supposedly, he sat on his throne and he gave an oration to them. In other words, he gave a speech to them. But now check this out. If they want something back from him and he's giving a speech, what are they going to think about this speech? Oh, dude, you are awesome. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard anybody speak like you. And probably it sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher, man. It was like, wah, 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 wah. But, dude, they're buttering them up. Proverbs even tells us, be leery of people that are flattering you. Be leery of flattering. Because you, you know what? There's something coming out of that. Just be leery of it. Uh, sometimes it's harder to handle success than it is failure. I mean, somebody can get to you through success they can get to your pride better than they can get to you through failure, you know, in all this. Uh, so and the people kept shouting, look at look what they're shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. You hear what they're saying now? The voice of a God and not of a man. Now, how many of these do you think any of these people from Tyre and Sidon were born again? Do you think any of them were saved and had the Holy Spirit living in them? Do you think any of them had given their life to Christ? Do you think any of us would ever say, I'm not talking about you guys, I'm talking about people in other churches. Do you think that they would say stuff, other believers would say stuff like that? Dude, what do we do during football season, basketball season? What? I'm not, uh, dude, I'm just saying, are there people we worship? Oh, they're a God. LeBron James, the GOAT. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. And, and I don't believe that, all right? Even for a minute, I think referees all help them. I think it's all fixed, but that's just me, conspiracy theory. But anyways, in this, listen, man, the voice of a God and not of a man, they're buttering him up. They're saying whatever they need to say to make things as favorable as they can make them so they can get what they want. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever told somebody something very favorable about them that you didn't really believe, but you know they wanted to hear it and there might be some benefit in it for you. Anybody who's ever done that on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. You know you have. And you do catch more flies with sugar than vinegar. But flies also land on other stuff too. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, guys, that in this, these people were willing to compromise their Christianity, the believers in this, so that they could get what they wanted. There's that path, food and freedom, right there. If you had to choose one of the two. And I know we don't want to. We want a path right up the middle. But sometimes you have to make a choice. The people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. So I see them compromising themselves. Here's what I want you guys to remember again today. Is that 
if your motivation is to glorify God, you're going to stumble into a lot fewer problems. If your motivation in life is to glorify God, you're going to stumble into a lot fewer problems. If that continues to be your motivation, was their motivation to glorify God? No, their motivation was what? To get some trace leche cake. That was it. They would do whatever they needed to take, to, to whatever it's going to take to get the cake or get whatever it is they wanted. And their motivation wasn't to glorify God. And when our motivation isn't to glorify God, we stumble into all kinds of problems. So, obviously, the voice of a God and not of a man, they're just talking, trying to get this guy to, you know, to like him. They're trying to flatter him and trying to win him over. And then look at this. Immediately, an angel struck him, Herod, because he did not give the glory to God. So first of all, the people have compromised their walk with God if they were believers. And I've got to believe there were some there. We knew there were some in Tyre and Sidon. And now, but, but Herod, now, he took it in and said, yeah, you know, you're right. I am pretty good. You know, you're right. That was good. Let me ask you a question. What's de the devil's name when he was an angel? You remember? Lucifer. Lucifer. Exactly. His name was Lucifer. means light. And you know what, the, what Lucifer, the angel's job was? His job was to be a mirror. His job was to be a mirror. And basically, whatever glory came to him, he shone it back. He, he made it shine right back on God. He was to reflect it. And that's how we should be handling praise. When things come, let me ask, I mean, when somebody praises you for something, should it, it, where did you get it from? Where'd you get the ability? How'd you get the opportunity? All of that. We should be like a mirror and we should take that praise and shine it right back on God. How did Lucifer get in trouble? Book of Isaiah says basically he didn't, yeah, he didn't want to be bigger than God. He just wanted to be like God. And so what he did is he started taking a little glory for himself and he didn't shine it back on. And God kicked him out of heaven. And he took a third of the angels with him. Good news is there's two thirds still with God. Amen. Yeah. But in that, it's, that's been the age old battle. Who gets the glory? God wants the glory. God deserves the glory. And the more things you give God the glory for, the more things he will give you to give him the glory for. If God knows that when he shines his glory on you, you're nothing but a big old mirror and you're going to shine it right back on the world and let everybody know, he's going to keep shining on you. But if he knows you're going to soak it all in and maybe give him a little like, you know, a little mirror for, you know, a little compact mirror full. Dude. You ever see in the stores those 10 times mirrors? Yeah, why are you laughing at me? I'm, I'm wondering, who wants to see their face 10 times magnified? You know, dude, oh, there's like, oh, Horton, here's a who. There's, there's stuff living on that dust ball in that pour. Awesome. But, but that's what we should be shining back on God, man. When God shine, gives us something, we shine the glory back on him. And the more we do that, the less trouble we will get into. Yeah, the more he will do it if he knows that you're going to be that person. And it's not about stuff. I'm not telling it's talking about your bank account, your job. I'm not talking about you being able to practice. You're not sharing the glory. But he wants to use us to show everybody how awesome he is. That was his plan for Israel. He said, guys, here's the deal. You're my people. I'm taking you out of Egypt. And, and first of all, that's going to be pretty spectacular. And I've got a set of rules that I want you to follow. And if you follow these, you will not be able to comfortably live in any other society. 
And as you live that unique way, people are going to see how much I'm going to bless you. And when they see how much I bless you, then they'll want to be a part of it and invite them in as long as they live by my rules. And now I have a whole kingdom of people living the way I want them to live, which is the best for them. And those are the people I bless. But whatever you do, Israel, don't become more influenced than you are an influence. Don't go live that way because I'm going to spank you if you do. And that's what Israel's been getting spanked ever since. And the same thing with us when we violate his principles. So check this out. What happens is these guys compromised by by not giving the glory to God so they could get something for themselves. But immediately, because Herod acted just like Lucifer, acted just like us when we take the glory, because he was like, ooh, that sounds good. I like that. You're right. That was a good speech. And by the way, you know, wait, wait till I come down that soul train line with this tinfoil suit on. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is, is, well, you know, he was like, yeah, I am pretty awesome. I am pretty great. And as he was doing this, an angel of the Lord struck him. Now, Tom, he gets struck in a way none of us want to get struck. How many of y'all would love for an angel of the Lord to strike you with tapeworms? <laughs> tapeworms, dude. You know what I learned about tapeworms? I learned a lot about tapeworms in studying for this message. I learned that on a tapeworm, that they're in sections, and if they break off, Susan, you, I hope I'm not ruining your lunch, Emma. Yeah, uh, all right. But these tapeworms, literally, they're in sections. And if a section breaks off, Jack, this is pretty cool. The section now has all the reproductive or everything it needs to now totally reproduce. So a tapeworm just multiplies. And so can you imagine God striking you with tapeworms and in a matter of five days, your body is now exploded? That's what happened to this dude right here. Because he kept the glory for himself. Now, I'm not saying, Sam, that if you keep the glory for yourself, you're going to get a tapeworm and you explode in five days. But <laughs> what I am saying is, is that the, if you don't want to keep stumbling into junk, make sure your motivation is to give God the glory. If that is your motivation, you will stumble into junk a lot less. So look at what happened. The angel struck him because he did not give God the glory. Why did the angel strike him? Do uh, you don't have to be a scholar to see this. He, he, God wants the glory. And he was eaten by. And <clears throat> now the Greek word in this is scoliax. And that's a tapeworm. And, and so that, that's basically that's what it was. You know, the only other place this particular Greek word is, is used. It's used by Jesus when he talks about hell. He, he gives parables, parables in four different times. He goes in there and he says, where the worm, fire doesn't quench and the worm will not die. Where the tapeworm will not die. And we translate it will not die, but that will not die in the Greek really is where it not only won't die, but it just exponentially multiplies. That's what he talks about, hell. Hell is that where this trouble, it's like a tapeworm that just keeps multiplying and multiplying and you can't stop it. And that's what people without Christ live with for eternity. Now, is our job serious or what? The job he left us behind to do, to, to share the gospel, to make disciples, to live it out so they can see it in us, so that they don't live in a place that is only described as like a multiplying tapeworm on steroids forever in eternity. 
So he was eaten by worms and he died. Josephus, the historian, said that it happened. Immediately while he was up there speaking and everybody said, you're awesome. Nice tinfoil suit. He's like, yeah, I'm great. Boom. All of a sudden, man, he was gut wrenched. He bent over and he was just hurting like you'd never been hurting before. And they took him off the stage. They took him to his palace and he got progressively worse for five days until literally what happens when you're full of these tapeworms is that you explode inside. Dude, can you imagine a tapeworm bomb, dude? Terrorists now are using nail bombs, dude. I think it'd be worse if they blew tapeworms on everybody, but I'm just, I mean, <laughs> could you imagine exploding? With tapeworms. That's what happened to this guy. But did that stop the gospel? Did that stop God's plan? I mean, here it is. Herod now dies. But I want you to read this last part with me. But the word of God grew and multiplied because of tapeworms. What an evangelistic tool God had right there. You know, you got tracks. God says, I got tapeworms, man. It's like God can use anything. But God wants the glory. And if our motivation in life is to give God the glory, we will do a lot less stumbling into trouble. These people who worshipped Herod. Did, now let me ask you a question. He's dead. Did they get their trace light cake back? No. No. So now they got to deal with God. They didn't even get what they wanted. Very rarely are you going to get what. And besides, if God wanted to remove that food, that Caesar, that Herod was given them, then, then what would have been the best thing for him? To have the food removed. Instead of trying to forcibly get it back, if you ever have to violate God's principles to make something happen, it's not what God wants. So maybe God was trying to save them from that food for some reason. I have no idea, and heaven will find all this out. But when God removes something, man, it's for good. And it's for his glory. And we need to look at it that way. But when we're out for ourselves, when we're out for the glory or to give the glory to anybody but God, we keep stumbling into problems. And Herod stumbled into the biggest one and he exploded from tapeworms. But the word of God, look at that, dude. People are like, oh, dude, he took glory from God. I don't want to be like him. I don't want you want to explode with tapeworms there. No, <laughs> not at all. It's like God uses things to bring people to himself. The word of God not only grew, but it multiplied. So I want to, say, I want to, I want to take a, a verse out of Proverbs and kind of make this, bring this all home. And it's in Proverbs 24, 16. And God showed me this verse a while ago. And this is the verse where God first showed me that he wants the glory. And that if I don't, if I, uh, what are you laughing at, honey? Is there a typo on there? She's type A, so I can always look at her face and see a typo. Oh, it's wicked. All right. Sorry. <laughs> oh, but the wicked. We're playing cricket today. Okay, all right. All right. Yo, that says wicked, all right. Just, just go with me. All right. All right. Sorry, now I gotta pick this middle wedgie here and go. All right, here we go. Alright, so in this again, the idea in all of this is that if you want to not stumble into trouble, make sure your motivation is to give God the glory. If we will continually do that, we will not stumble into trouble. We won't be hitting those pebbles on our skateboard. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Now, I know y'all won't ever forget this verse, will you? <laughs> All right, because of that. But So check this out. A righteous man. Um, anybody have another translation in their Bible? Yeah. Uh, what do you have? NLT. The godly man. 
Okay, the godly man. He's called godly in that. Anybody have? There's another one. There's godly. There's righteous. Anybody have another translation of what that? The, the just man. The justified man. All of those things are, are what it's talking about in there. It's talk, Probably the best translation is a justified man. And what this means is somebody who's covered. That's the transliteration of the word. A righteous man. We know in the New Testament, Laura, how's the only way you can be righteous? What's the only way you can be righteous? Can you be righteous on your own? No. You, you, you have to have the blood of Christ covering you, and that makes you righteous. So we're talking about a saved person now when we incorporate this into the New Testament. Back then, it was just somebody following Jehovah, somebody following his principles. But now the word righteous, we know there's no righteousness except for Christ. So let's look at this for us and put this in context. A righteous person, somebody who is born again, somebody who has the blood of Jesus covering. In fact, one of the translations of righteous in the Hebrew means covered. <laughs> and I think that's cool because how many of y'all are covered? You're covered. Natalie, how long are you covered for? And what are you covered by? Jesus' blood. So when God looks down on you, Jack, when God looks down on you and you're covered by his blood, what's the first thing he sees about you? The blood. So even if you're being a jerk, he still sees the blood first? Yeah. Even if you're being like, oh, holy Jack, man, you're like Billy Biblehead and Sally Sunday School sitting there, he still sees Jesus first? Yes. Isn't that awesome? That as right, we are righteous and that if we are born again, the blood of Christ covers us. And, 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 and that's the first thing God sees, and that's the only thing that is acceptable to him for getting into the Holy of Holies, which is where we go. So if this person who is covered, this righteous person, they may fall seven times. Now, what does it mean? This word fall isn't talking about tripping. This particular Hebrew word just means jumping. This particular, it would be, it would be like me taking my skateboard and going down Tiffany's Hill on her driveway right into Lester's curb and boom, just on purpose. Anybody ever do that spiritually? Any of y'all ever just like say, God, you know, it's all going to work out. God, I don't care. God, or we just do it thinking the adventure, the thrill. We just do something that we know is against God. Anybody here ever do that? Yeah. Exactly. We do. We don't like to admit it, but there are times where God puts it right before it says, this is right, this is wrong. And our pride, our desire, our self gets in the way, our flesh, and we say, I'm going to do it my way and I'll deal with the consequences later. Now, anybody ever done that? Absolutely we do. That's what this word fall means. So I want you to know, just because you're born again doesn't mean you're not going to choose the wrong thing. In fact, Paul even says over and over, he said, he said, man, I did what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. I've got this battle going on in me. Laura, you're shaking your head. Do you have that battle? You are not alone. We all have that battle going on inside us. And, and so what that means is we are faced with the path to take right and wrong. And often because of our flesh, and not realizing who we are in Christ, we choose to do the wrong thing. And that's what this particular part of this verse is saying. A person who's born again, a person who's saved, a person that's covered by the blood of Jesus should be grateful for everything, still does the wrong thing and they fall. Now when it says they fall seven times, how many of you ever fallen eight? More than seven? Yeah, I'm on 7,000 that I know of, all right? And I don't want to, but that word seven isn't literal seven. The number seven in the Bible is what? The number of 
perfection, completeness. Actually, it's just an undisclosed amount of times, as many times as you need to. How many of y'all had to fall more than once to, get a, to learn a lesson? Yeah. You know, you fell once and you didn't get it. You're like, oh, I can do that again. <laughs> you know? And it took about seven falls for you to finally, all right, God, I'm never doing that again. And as soon as I hear somebody say, I'm never doing it again, I start praying for them real, real hard. Because pride comes before a fall. Man, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Man, in all of that. So this righteous person who's born again is going to purposely, and that hurts to say, because I'm one of them, purposely choose the wrong thing and fall as many times as God has allowed. As many times as it takes for us to get the point. As many times as, as, as has to happen in our life that's determined. And it's not God's fault, it's ours. But we fall over and over again. But look what's going to happen. And then they'll what? Rise. Rise again. So is it ever God's choice for you, Charlie? Is it ever God's choice for you to fall and just stay down and say, I quit? I quit, I give up, I'm done! Man, I'm done. Have you, how many of you ever felt that way? You ever felt like, dang, I've let God down. I let everybody down. I let myself down. This is not, there's no end to it. I'm going to do it again. So I'm just going to stay down. Anybody been there? All right, how about this? Does anybody know somebody that's been there? Yeah, we all know those people, right? Yeah, it's not us, but yeah, baloney. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to isolate you and discourage you. If he can get you alone and get you working in your own little head, you start with a little jelly bean in your head, that thought, turns to a golf ball, turns to a bowling ball, and there's your head, man, boom. You're, you're messed up, you're down, you're discouraged, you can't hear from anybody else, you can't understand logic, you can't hear the Spirit of God. He wants to get you isolated and get you discouraged and disappointed and all those things. Hey, so what happens, Zane, when you find somebody who's a brother or sister in Christ like that? What do you do? That's it. You pick them back up. What if, what if they fight you while they're doing this? They're giving you headbutts. And they're like, ah! you know, do we just like, all right, fine. Get out of here. Is that what we do? No. no. Do we forcibly like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> We've got, you know, WWF. No. Man, how, what, is, what is a way to pick up somebody who doesn't want to be picked up? Pray. Pray. Pray and let God change their heart. You pray for them. And you stay consistent. You love them. And how many of y'all ever needed that, somebody do that for you? Yeah, we all have. Because a righteous person is going to fall and fall and fall. That's going to be the beautiful thing about heaven. No more falling. And if I do fall, it's streets of gold, man. It's soft. It's awesome. Those are going to be belly flops like on a, on a bounce house, man. I'm just I'm going to be doing boom, boom. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's going to be awesome. You'll be doing it with me, right, Charlie? I know Terry. Is. He's already thinking, man. This is like, what's that place, Panda? What's that place everybody goes to Port St. Louis? Yeah, flying panda. Dude, heaven's going to be way better than that. So a righteous man is going to mess up, is going to fall. We're going to do it, but are we supposed to stay down, destiny? No, you've got to get back in the word. You've got to start hearing life from God's perspective. And you've got to get back up. And if we as believers see another part of the body down, we've got to help them heal. You know, if I, how many of you, I saw a meme talk about that little toe, anybody, your little toe, did you know what your little toe was for? It's finding furniture in the dark, <laughs> right? And so when you break that little toe, does your big toe laugh out and go, oh, no, dude, it's 
like your whole foot hurts and your whole body's like, ah! That's the way we are. We're the body of Christ. And we're supposed to help each other out, man, because we are going to fall. But man, don't ever let the devil hold you down. And don't ever let the devil hold somebody else down. You just keep encouraging them and loving them and speaking the truth into their life. Now, maybe they hear it, maybe they don't, but that's what we're supposed to do because we need that little toe to find more furniture. <laughs> but look at this next part here. So the born-again person is going to fall, going to mess up, going to have that. It's going to happen. But the wicked, the wicked, the wicked shall fall by calamity. And that word fall there in the Hebrew is a different word for fall, and it means to stumble. The first one means you just, I'm just doing it. People who love God just do it. Oh, that's so sad for me that I just do that sometimes. But the wicked will fall. They're going to stumble when your life is wicked. And I'm going to explain what that is. Because you're probably saying right now, whoo, good, I'm glad I'm not a wicked. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not wicked. I'm glad, I'm glad that doesn't describe my life. You know, the wicked will fall. They're going to stumble. That's what this word fall means. They're going to stumble into calamity. And the word calamity translated in the Hebrew is just bad circumstances. That's what that word calamity, if you want to define it in Hebrew, it's just bad circumstances. So how many of y'all know somebody that, dude, every time they take a step, they're falling in more bad circumstances? It's like, you're almost like, dude, get a break. Give your life to How many of y'all have ever been there in that way in your life where everywhere you turn, it's just like, oh, my goodness, again? Oh, my goodness, again? And you're right there. That's what he's saying. So if we could figure out what wicked is, then maybe we could help people not stumble into bad circumstances. And maybe we could start by helping ourselves not do that. So this word wicked in the Hebrew, now if I asked you to define wicked, how many of y'all could, could tell me some actions that are wicked? You know, murder, ah, rape, you know, ah, you know, ah, there's all kinds of things we could look at that we consider wicked, you know, but it's not defined by certain actions. This Hebrew word wicked is defined by motivation. And literally, when you study it, what it means is the wrong motivation for doing something. It means their motivation is not to bring glory to God. Their motivation isn't godly. It's talking more about a motivation than a specific act. Because let me ask you a question. In here, Susie, have, are there things going on right now in society that are perfectly acceptable that when you were a teenager were considered wicked? Yeah. Yeah, in your life, you're just old as me, right? <laughs> Maybe a little older, right? No, no you're not. All right. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Are, are there things? How about you guys? Jack. Jack and Diamond. No, we were talking about that song earlier. Jack and Destiny. Man, are there things now that you see that, were, that are considered okay that back when you were in high school, they were wicked? That was considered? Yeah, so you see what the problem is, is when we, when we define an act as wicked, then it, society's always changing it. Well, one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And it just keeps getting farther and farther away from God. That's why God in his wisdom, divine, he said wicked is doing something for the wrong motivation. That's the definition of it. So let me ask you a question. As a believer, as anybody, what is the only right motivation for doing something? God. Glory. Giving God the glory. That is the only definition, or that is the only right reason or right motivation to have in doing anything. Yeah. So anything done 
with the wrong motivation falls in that category of being wicked. Let me ask you a real good question. How many of y'all ever gone to church and it been wicked? Because you went for the wrong motivation. I know that when I was dating Linda, I went because I wanted to, you know, hook up with... No, I'm just saying. I'm, that's where I found her is in church, man. And I wasn't going to miss church, man. I, but I wasn't... There were times I wasn't going for Jesus, man. I was going for Linda. And I got her. <laughs> 28 years later, she's still with me. I told her she ever leave me, pack my bags, I'm going with her. But, but the point, man, it's like... So what I'm saying is there's things you can do that look good on the outside. There's things you can do that look good on the outside, and people are like, oh, you're an awesome person. But you're, they're wicked because you're doing it with the wrong motivation. Well, I'm going to that church, and I'm going to straighten them guys out. No, it's wrong motivation. Man, the only right motivation for doing anything is what? To bring glory to God. Man, you, you want to see the New Testament version? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The whole chapter is talking about sexual immorality. But the last two verses in that chapter, what he's saying in there is he's like, don't, what, don't you know? And that's funny how when Paul's teaching, he's like, Ashley, don't you know? What happens when a teacher goes, don't you know? <laughs> Your parents are going, don't you know? Why do they say stuff like that? Because you should know. You're an idiot for not knowing, right? Isn't that what they're kind of simulating there? But that's what he's going to the Corinthians. He's saying, don't you know? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is where the Holy of Holies lives. Your body is where God is. He's there. Man, you, there's no more tap. Indiana Jones can keep looking for it, man. But there's no more Ark of the Covenant where God lives. He doesn't live there. The power's not there. The power's in us. Don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And then he goes on in the next verse to say, man, Zane, you there? Are you there in 1 Corinthians 6? Yes. Can you read me the last two verses? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Yeah, so in that verse, those two verses, what's the only right motivation for doing anything? It is to bring God, God the glory. You were bought with a price. And you're not your own. When you surrendered yourself to Christ, who do you, who, who do you belong to now? You belong to Christ. You're not your own. Man, can you imagine buying something and then it doesn't want to serve you? It doesn't want to use, you know, some tool you have. And it's like, I ain't cutting that piece of wood. You know, I ain't cutting that. I'm not doing that. You know, that's, we are owned by him right now. And so we've been bought with a price, and, the, and, and let me ask you, Charlie, where did God, what did he pay for you? Did he buy you? We joke around in our, uh, in our small group. Did he, did he get you off the clearance bin at Walmart? No. Were you a blue light special at Kmart, for those of you old enough to remember that? Where, are you at the clearance center of Goodwill? Is that where he picked you up because you were so low and so messed? What did he pay for you? He paid top dollar. And were you worth it? To him you were. Yeah, buddy. And he redeemed you, man, with his own life, with his own blood. He paid top dollar for you. Man, top dollar. Can you imagine? Brian, you just gave your life to Christ. How long ago, man? Easter Sunday. Yeah, Easter Sunday, dude. And what did he pay for you? Top dollar, man. That's top shelf stuff. Every one of y'all is top shelf. Man, he paid. You could not have been bought for a more valuable amount of anything. He, he, he paid with, for you with himself. 
And that's unfathomable. That's what's going to blow us away when we get to heaven and see him. And we're like, wow, you paid for me? But if we could understand that right now, we'd have no problem giving him the glory. Dude, let me ask you a question. If somebody bought you a brand new car, who could use a new car right now? Who could use a new car? Anybody? Oh, Ashley, you can use a new car? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yours is looking pretty authentic surfmobile-ish right now, but uh, crunch hood and all of that. If somebody, and I'm not, I'm not lobbying for anybody buy her car, but I'm just saying, if somebody, you go, we go out to de- eat, and somebody, like, sees your car and says, dang, who owns that car? And you're like, I do. And they're like, here's a brand new car. Would you be nice to them? Would you tell everybody what they did for you? Would you, like, even almost on the verge of glorify them? Like, oh, these people are awesome. Would you be nice to them? Would you like even, if they wanted to be friends, would you be friends? Yeah. Man, he gave us salvation. For a righteous man falls seven times and rise again, but the wicked are going to fall by calamity. And this word fall again means to stumble because they are wicked and their motivation is not to bring God glory. So if your motivation is anything except to bring God glory, what's going to happen is you're going to start walking and bam, you're going to fall into this. You're going to get blindsided. You're going to keep tripping. You're going to keep stumbling into different things. Everything that comes into our life is there by God's design for our good and to bring him glory. And that's what we need to look at. Something happens. How can I bring, how can God get glory out of this? How can God get glory out of the fact that you were in Orlando and you got run off the road by a semi and had to choose of, with her and her son of getting creamed by the semi or going off on an exit and having a lady slam brakes on in front of her and her get the ticket? How can God get the glory when you got a crunched car and you got a ticket to pay for and you got to go traffic school? And how can God get glory out of all that junk? Man, God, man, you don't even know all the ways God can get glory out of all of this. But what, how many of y'all could find that to be a pretty bad time and get in a little pity party and think, man, God hates me. Man, life stinks. (laughs) You know, it's real easy to go that way. And it's not always very easy to go the other way and get and, and get God the glory. But I'm telling you guys on the authority of scripture, God has designed everything in your life for him to get the glory out of. And we need to see it that way. That's why we've got to help each other see life from his perspective. Man, you know my greatest teaching tool when I'm individually with people is my mistakes (laughs) and how God has made beauty out of ashes. Dude, I got some street cred. (laughs) I got, I got some, I've been there. I've done that. And I can tell you guys, Jesus is better. And I know firsthand what he can fix, what he can restore, what he can heal, what he can help, what he can make beautiful again. So I'm just telling you, whatever you're going through, whatever you got going on, man, you may be like them people that tire inside and everything seems to be leaving you. And you're, like, oh, and you're willing to compromise and go do this and do that just so you, you, you don't lose grip of all the things that you think you should have or whatever it is. But man, maybe God's removing some stuff from you. Maybe streamlining, I don't know. But the fact is, is that if you will purpose in your heart to give God the glory for whatever's going on, you will stumble into a lot less trouble. That's the message God had for me to give to you today. Let's pray.
Father, I don't know what it is that we're going to go through. I know what we are going through. I know what we've been through. And um, I know that we belong to you. Um, Father, if there's somebody here that's not sure that they belong to you, they're not positive that at some point in, 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 in time you gave them the desire and ability to surrender their life to you. Um, Father, that uh, today they would realize that they need a Savior and they need you and the way that they receive you as a Savior is by just surrendering everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. I pray you would give them a desire they can't refuse. And when they do surrender, I pray, Father, that you would speak to their heart and give them peace and give them comfort to know that this is no longer their home, but their home is in heaven. And we're only here for a short period of time. That little hundred grains of sand is like a hundred years, but all the rest of the sand in the universe is not even close to representing eternity. So, Father, I pray you'd give somebody here the desire and ability to surrender themselves to you and receive that eternal life. For those of us that know we have it because of what Christ did on the cross, Father, um, I pray that we would really see the true perspective of what's supposed to happen while we're here. And that is that as we go through different situations, whether someone's crashing our car or taking away our trace leche cake, Whatever it is that we're going through in life, we would see it from your perspective. We'd see that it's no surprise to you. We would ask you how you could receive glory out of it and be faithful to just reflect all the glory back on you. Even while we're waiting to find that out. And as we do that, Father, we know that we will be growing more and more and more in love with you. And as we grow more in love with you, we grow more in love with others. And others find your love. So Father, um, I pray that you take everything we're going through now and everything that we're about to go through and help us to seek ways to give you the glory so we just keep, we'd quit stumbling into stuff, trying to please ourselves. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.